resonates with you is just as trusted as an academic expert and a technical expert and, contrary to what you've been hearing, far more trusted than a celebrity. So when you think about what to do again on your website, who to have testimonials from, keep that in mind, okay? And encourage people to talk about your products, to say things, have pictures, have a page, have an area on the bottom, a special page that says, here's what our customers are saying. Don't neglect that because it becomes incredibly important. So you want to look at running chats. You want to look at building a Facebook group among, about things that are important and using micro-influencers. So not somebody who's a celebrity everybody knows, but someone who perhaps is known within your market or somebody who you think will resonate with a small part of your market and make a difference there. Now, one of the things I saw, Condi Nast has a closed face group a Facebook group, I'm sorry, for women travelers. So women who are planning to travel can be asked to be admitted to this Facebook group and share with other women ideas about where they've gone, what they're doing, where they feel comfortable or not traveling on their own. So there's a lot of opportunities to build trust. Here are a couple of examples, and this one is from Starbucks and also from Airbnb. If you remember last year, there were a couple of issues with Starbucks where there were two black men who were arrested in a Starbucks store. So what it did is it said to them, we need to do a little bit more on diversity training. And Airbnb had some other issues in terms of diversity as well. So what they both did is, first of all, they posted on YouTube what they were doing on diversity training. And in fact, what um, Starbucks did, which was unbelievable, is they closed the store for a full day for diversity training and didn't just post about it, telling you the story on YouTube. They posted on every part of social media, letting you know what we're doing because we think this is important. And so the idea was rather than say, we made a mistake and just do an apology, they not only did those kinds of things, but they let you know we're transforming our culture. We're making ourselves better because that's who we are as a company. And the value of that is, again, building trust and talking to your customers, talking to your market, letting people know what you're doing. Okay, so now demonstrating your expertise. Whatever field you're in, either you're an expert you might be an expert on the business end, but you might also be an expert on the product end. Make sure you let the market know. But remember, if you post a video, and this is, YouTube is great for how-tos on what to do. You can also look at Reddit, LinkedIn. There's a lot of information that enables you really to be an expert. But the other thing that's important here to think about is people can visit whatever you've posted many, many times. So it's not just important to be authentic, but make sure it's correct. Watch what you're doing, think about it, make it good. And then make your content, again, this is your statement of I am amazing. Make your content high quality, make it interesting, make it memorable and catchy, and if you could make it fun and funny, that's added value. 
but the idea is make it real. And we all use those how-tos for all kinds of things, whatever you're doing. I mean, I know for me, before every yuntif, when I need to know how to put my oven on the, you know, yuntif Shabbos mode, I look at a how-to on YouTube, right? I just Google it. We do it for everything. Whatever you're doing, you need to fix something, you need to build something, we're doing it. The other thing is, if you're doing any kind of live stream demonstration, even if you have a real business that's fully online, you're going to at some point meet customers. You might be at an industry conference, demonstrate your products, do something else. Also, what I've seen is a lot of companies that were formerly only online, also now, like Amazon, has you know, brick and mortar uh, buildings, brick and mortar shops also. The idea is when you're meeting with customers, do a live stream, record it, post it, so people have a sense of you and your product. You're building trust, you're building relationships, you're building expertise. All of that is important. So let's look at a couple of things here. This is just an example, the Metropolitan Museum, and they have all kinds of things on YouTubes. You expect them to be able easily to demonstrate their expertise. Nonetheless, they want everybody to know. They want people to hear from the expert in whatever field and know what's out there. Okay, so now getting to know your market. Make sure you know who they are. Look at trending topics. There are things like trend spotter you can use. You want to know what people are saying about you. You want to know if people are mentioning you. You can go to Social Monitor that looks over at over a hundred sources to see that. But again, it's not just knowing your market. That's nice for data. But you want to be able to interact and hear from them as well. Know what's going on. Who are they? Tweet them a question. See what they say, right? Instead, if people make a comment, don't really start a conversation. Respond and respond again on whatever the social media platform is. People always think about, okay, on my Twitter account or in Twitter in general, if somebody says something negative from me, by the way, people expect you to respond within an hour. That's what they say. They expect you probably to respond within about three minutes. But the idea is, if people are saying negative things, definitely respond, but start a conversation. What can you do now to fix things? What would people have liked you to do better? Take it as an opportunity to build relationships and trust. And again, host a Twitter chat. Twitter chats are fantastic. They are an opportunity to interact with your audience, but also to bring other people together who are interested in, your, in whatever you're selling, your product, your service, etc. It's also an opportunity for you to be an expert. The way they work very simply is you set it for, typically it's going to go on at Tuesday at 9 o'clock or 9 p.m., 9 a.m., 9 p.m., whatever. It's the same time every week. You do it either ongoing or for six weeks or whatever, and you post a series of questions. Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, and people then will respond A1, A2, A3, whatever they're responding to. So it's a little bit, people do it in different ways. You may do Q1, 
get responses from people, and then introduce Q2. People may decide to respond not just when you've hosted the Twitter chat, but do it later, but it's a great way to build community, build engagement, and also listen to your market. So I wanted to give you a couple of examples here of amazing things people are doing. This is The Guardian, a British newspaper, old, staid, straight-laced. They wanted to reach a younger market. So what did they do? They took their Instagram campaign and they used stories. And you see the circles on top of various stories. They're saved. And what they did is they used younger reporters and also more informal style of presentation. And they chose topics that they thought that a younger audience would be tuned into, like social climate. And what they were able to do in an incredibly short amount of time is drive the followers on their website from 860,000 people to 2.4 million. And it's a younger audience. They're thinking of the future. What do we do with the market? How do we get under younger people to turn to us? And that's how they do it. And here's just an example of a Twitter chat. So as you see, there was a question about something awesome. So people can post words, they can post images, and there <clears throat> you see one of the, the question, you see a couple of answers, that's Q1 and A1 and A1, and as you can see, <clears throat> it's a little bit out of sequence and you have A2 sort of mixed in. But that's what it's going to look like. It obviously is on different pages, I just put it all together but it's a great way, again, to listen to your audience. Okay, one other thing I wanted to, rem to remind you is to focus on basics. Make your website awesome. <clears throat> if it's not and you're driving traffic there for whatever reason, it affects your brand. Also, make sure that you have your website optimized so it looks great whether people are using a PC, they're using a tablet, they're using a social, um, sorry, a, um, a handheld device. Whatever they're using, make sure it integrates. And then again, even on your website, you wanna look at blogs, you wanna look at compelling videos, great photos, other ways of getting together. And it's really easy to set up various um, tools to, to see what your market is using, where they are, to monitor the results, the goals and the metrics, whether it's clicks, time on a page, etc. Somebody told me, I, I thought this was amazing, the Metropolitan Museum, if you go to their homepage, it's wonderful. They spent an incredible amount of time and money worrying about their homepage. And when they looked at their metrics, they found nobody was spending any time on it. They clicked, they, you know, they did their search for the website, found the homepage, and then went somewhere else. You need to know information like that so you know where to spend your time, where to spend your money, not only on your social media, but even on your website. Okay, now let's talk about some of the issues of social commerce. So the first thing is the question of incorporating social commerce uh, into your marketing strategy. What are you doing there? So first of all, think about whatever product or service you have, how does it affect people's lives? Because on your Twitter page, you're going to tell a story. 
that allows people to understand why your product or service will make their lives better. Remember, your entire market, whether they're 15 or 95, is busy and doesn't have a lot of time. They want things in their lives to be easier. And if you can make that story, their lives are going to be more interesting, better, etc., you're going to be able to sell products and services. Okay. Also, experiment. Take chances on different ways of marketing. And again, add UTMs, which are text codes, to find out, to track your visitors. See what they're doing, what they're looking at, what interests them. I put this statistic at the bottom because you should know where we're going right now, and I'm going to come to it in a minute. But 70% of Gen Zers, in other words, people between the ages roughly of 12 and 24, maybe it's a little older and a little younger, but in China, they buy directly from social media. We're not there yet, but we will be shortly. So if you take a look now at the social commerce examples of shopping on social media, Instagram has shoppable posts. If you're not using it, think about it as part of your marketing strategy. Also, at this point, most of the social media sites have on the top buttons that you can click on, buy, shop, etc. In the bottom, very often on the right-hand or left-hand side, depending on which social media channel you're looking at, there is something you can click on to get to the website or to, and be able to buy directly from whoever you're looking at, whatever you're using and whatever you're trying to learn about, whatever product is there. Okay, in Pinterest, again, there are buyable pins that you can use. And integrate, you integrate social media into shopping for everything on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, on WeChat. And finally, we're back to that live stream. People are using live stream as an opportunity, and I'll show you an example from WeChat in a minute, to, um, to sell products, okay? I thought this one, Urban Decay, <clears throat> is a, um, a beauty company. They sell makeup, eyeshadow, they sell foundation, etc., And they sell a lot online. Question is, if you have 99 different shades of lipstick, right? How are you able to choose? I'm, I go on, I want to buy a shade of lipstick and there are 99 shades that don't look very different. How do I decide how to buy? So what they used is augmented reality. So they have an AR solution. What you can do is you upload a photo of yourself, you choose the lipstick shade you would like, you click on it and it goes on your lips. So you can have a sense of what it would look on me from this photo. So being creative, using technology in all kinds of strategic ways, irrespective of what you're doing, is a great way, again, to market to your customers. Okay, this is an example from WeChat. Um, what L'Oreal did is they partnered with a number of models, male and female, Chinese models, who were going to be on the red carpet in France at the Cannes Film Festival. And what they asked them to do, they took pictures of them, and they asked them to, they live streamed them talking about their makeup routine and how they used L'Oreal, how they used L'Oreal products. 
And then what people were able to do at the bottom, and I'm, I don't have it here, but there was a button you could click and be directed straight to L'Oreal so you could buy product directly from them. Okay, as another example, this is another makeup company, Glossier, which comes from, uh, it started with Into the Gloss. Into the Gloss was a website that was created by a woman named Emily Weiss. And what she did was she wor had worked for Vogue and she just wanted to talk about makeup. She would identify women and talk about their makeup routines. And she says, if, if you listen to some of her web posts, she talks about what she used to do. She would go to women, literally sit on the floor in their bathroom while they were putting on makeup, put on her tape recorder and ask them what they were doing, and then have a picture of whoever it was, presumably not in their bathroom, uh, and then write up an article about their makeup routine. And she said it was unbelievable how many other women were interested in that. She built a following of 100,000 women just on this blog that she was writing into the gloss. And based on comments from women, she realized that she could monetize what she was doing. She started a company which is called Glossier. And what she says is what's different about that is typically makeup beauty companies are marketing to a counter at Bloomingdale's or at Saks. And they're making their purchasing decisions based on all kinds of things that have nothing to do with the customer. So in fact, the beauty companies are never interacting with the customer. What she does and what she talks about here is how her beauty editors interact with customers, what they're doing to find out what, the, what people would like to do, and then still on her website, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not on her website here, this is from Instagram, she's talking about um, how people, real people sharing their real life routines. What are they doing? How are they following this path? And what's interesting is what she did afterwards because she believes she wants to keep listening to her market to know what to sell. That's the best way to, for her to develop her products. And so what she did is she created a Slack channel for a thousand of the top users of her products so that they can talk to one another about what they like and what they don't, and she constantly interacts. So that's an example. And the last example I want to give you is everybody have a Sharpie pen? You know, those great Sharpie pens. Sharpie pens has, is a fantastic example of how you can creatively use, um, engage with your audience, and by creating different looks on different social media platforms. So here is Twitter. Here is, they're doing something else. This was uh, on YouTube, I think. Um, they have something else. Here was Pinterest, okay? And everyone, look how different they, use, they look. So that, why wouldn't you visit them? These are just great. Even if you don't need a new Sharpie, you would take a look because this is just great for new ideas. But here's what she did also. They have a micro-influencer who talks about here are some Sharpie projects. And then they also have a blog. This is um, one where it's somebody else is talking about other kinds of creative things. So what 
Sharpie did is they're driving their market in all kinds of creative ways, but what I thought is that this is fantastically illustrative of what you can do by being creative across different platforms. Having things look and feel slightly different so people will come to your multiple channels, be interested in thinking about what you do, and then move things forward. Okay, what I'd like to do, we have some time, I'd like to, oh, oh one last thing before we do discussion. This is really important. Some articles, videos, information for you to review. First of all, if you're not going on Guy Raz and how I built this, you should. He's a brilliant interviewer. Um, he interviews people on NPR and then he posts it. Um, so it's just, there are lots of podcasts out there. He, his interviews are uniformly great and they have companies, by the way, Glossier, he interviews Emily Weiss, is worth about $400 million, or not worth, but made $400 million in sales last year. Um, so he has incredible interviews with startup companies, companies that have been around for a while, but lots and lots of great information. Also, Hootsuite, Sprout Social, and HubSpot are all terrific for general information about whatever you're doing on social media. Also, if you need any data information, they have great, great pieces of information, but also lots of how-tos. So if you walk in and you say, well, what do I do if I want to get, I'm on Twitter, but now I'd like to be on Pinterest or Snapchat or whatever, they will take you through step-by-step step what you do. You still have to get over that hub, you know, that uh, obstacle of, doing it and making mistakes and playing with it and getting it right, but they'll at least give you the step-by-step -step of what you do.